0: Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zuma Radio.
1: Welcome back. Well, the Conservative Party of Canada's leadership convention is less than two weeks, with candidates making their final pitches to Canadians as to why they should be the next leader of the loyal opposition in Ottawa. Michael Chong is MP for Wellington Halton. He's widely considered to be a red Tory. And uh, the conventional wisdom is that he will be hampered by his support of a carbon tax. But interestingly, a recent poll by Nanos Research has shown a surprising fact that when people are asked who they think among those leadership candidates has the best chance of beating Justin Trudeau in 2019, uh, the top two choices are Maxime Bernier and Michael Chong as the front runner, so with that in mind, let us go to Michael Chong. Hello,
2: hi, Libby. How are you
1: fine. how are you good well uh, uh, what do you make? A lot of people call you a red Tory. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is it accurate
2: well i don 't describe myself that way. I think these old labels don 't really apply anymore. You know we have a Republican president in the United States who 's against free trade. We have you know other parties uh, in Canada on the left to center that support it so I think the whole political spectrum has changed dramatically. Basically, I believe in a more democratic a more prosperous and a greener Canada. And I believe in conservative principles to get there, such as free markets, smaller government, balanced budgets and lower taxes.
1: Now, uh, you, th- this contest is uh, decided by members of the Conservative Party. Uh, you've been booed on the stage because of your support of a, car- of a carbon tax, but you also say that you don't think that uh, uh, any party that doesn't have an appropriate plan for climate change has any chance of winning.
2: Mm. Well, Libby, you know, whenever you put forward bold and ambitious policies, it's going to elicit strong reactions both against and in favour we decided in this leadership race that we wanted to put forward a bold and ambitious agenda for the country uh, an agenda that would not only make our economy greener but also create more prosperity and Of course, there are strong opinions on it. You know we have a an example in Canada of how a carbon tax can work, and that's the province of british columbia b c implemented a revenue neutral carbon tax back in two thousand and seven it's been in place for about ten years now. It has produced amazing results. B.C. has reduced emissions. It has the lowest income taxes in Canada, and it has the fastest growing economy. So the B.C. model proves that you can both reduce emissions and grow the economy. It's a model that I want to export to the other nine provinces in the Federation.
1: And why do you think there's so much resistance to it in your party? Or, or, do people deny climate change? Like, what's the deal?
2: Well, I think there's the party campaigned against uh, a carbon tax Uh, for the last number of years, and I think we need to re-examine that position. That's why I proposed it during the race, but change is never easy. People naturally, myself included, are resistant to change, and so I think that's been the challenge, that uh, the party needs to change, and change is never easy to make happen.
1: Well, it's it's interesting that here in Ontario, uh, the PC leader, uh, Patrick
2: Brown, he supports a carbon tax. That's right, and the reason is simple. It's going to be a lot cheaper than any other system because with a carbon tax you eliminate green programs, green subsidies, green regulations, you shrink the size of government because you reduce the number of green regulations and green bureaucracy that you need and so you also uh, reduce the cost to reduce emissions because you're using the power of free markets and so that's why conservative leader Ontario Conservative leader Patrick Brown is proposing a carbon tax. That's why I'm proposing it. And that's why increasingly leading conservative figures in North America are proposing it. You know, just several months ago, Reagan Republicans James Baker and George Shultz, who were secretaries of state under Ronald Reagan, called on the Trump administration to put in place a carbon tax. Uh, Mark Cameron, who's Prime Minister Harper's former head of policy in the Prime Minister's office, supports my plan for a carbon tax. And Preston Manning has long called for a price on carbon through a mechanism like a carbon tax. So increasingly, I think conservatives are coming over to the point of view that this is the best way, the cheapest way, the most conservative way to reduce emissions. You know, Libby, it reminds me of the great debate, which you and your listeners will remember over free (laughs) trade in the 1980s.
1: I certainly do.
2: (laughs) And, And in the 1983 leadership race, Uh, The Conservative Party was resolutely against free trade for over 100 years. From John A. Macdonald all the way till 1983, the Conservative Party's official position was anti-free trade. During that leadership race, one candidate proposed free trade, and that was John Crosby. And he was resolutely denounced by many in the party. Uh, Most people in the party opposed him. The rest of the candidates didn't support his plan for free trade. But five years later, the party did a 180, and in the 1988 free trade election, the Conservative Party embraced the North American Free Trade Agreement, and we've never looked back. And so to me, the issue of carbon pricing and how to reduce emissions is the same kind of debate, and that's why I've put forward the proposal I have.
1: Now, you want to drastically reduce personal and corporate income taxes, tax rates, and and the number of brackets. Uh, Just very quickly, can you explain that?
2: Yeah. So basically, we want to introduce one of the largest income tax cuts in Canadian history, An 18 billion dollar income tax cut that we would introduce in our first budget six months after the next election we would reduce in conjunction with that deep income tax cut we would also reform our personal and corporate income tax system to eliminate a lot of the deductions loopholes and credits that have built up over the last 30 years we'd flatten the system from the current five federal brackets down to two and we think that plan of deep tax cuts and tax reform is a powerful way to get this economy moving and to create jobs.
1: And, and how would you pay for that?
2: We pay for it through the introduction of our revenue neutral carbon tax, which would...
1: That would cover all of it?
2: It would cover all of it. It would be introduced after the income tax were introduced, and it would not be fully implemented for 10 years. So we start with the income tax cuts, and we pay for those income tax cuts through the introduction of a carbon tax
1: okay now I want to get to the uh, you know the horse race aspect of this uh, so the way the way it works it's a ranked ballot and each province is uh, ranked equally so uh, what is your assumed path to victory if you're the second choice of most people like wh- how do you see this going
2: So libby every single riding in the country is weighted equally so there's 338 ridings And so what that means is that a riding with, let's say, 100 members in downtown Vancouver has as much weight, as much say in who the leader will be as a riding, let's say, in rural Ontario with 2,000 members. And so what that means is that cities have an outweighed outweighed, uh, size, outweighed say in this leadership race. And Mm -hmm. so Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver alone, those three city regions will have about 40 percent of the final vote for the party. So... We've been focusing on areas where uh, those votes are, and we think that we're, we're going to do well in those city regions.
1: Mm-hmm. And w- when you say do well, you as a first choice, you as a second
2: choice? Well, our goal is to try to get 15% on the first ballot. Um, we think what's critical in this leadership race is getting out the vote. In the last leadership race when Mr. Harper won back in March of 2004, only 37% of Conservative Party members actually voted. And so we expect somewhere in the same range to vote. So those campaigns that can get out two-thirds or 75% of their supporters are going to do a lot better on that first ballot than people expect. And what, that's exactly what do you think strategy.
1: What do you is going to happen with all those O'Leary uh, supporters or people who bought the memberships? Are they going to come out and vote? Are they going to support Max Bernier?
2: I think some of them will stay home because they're disappointed their guy did not complete I think some of them will go to Maxim. I think some of them will come to us. In fact, I know some of them have already come over to us. Some of the organizers that uh, Kevin O'Leary had in New Brunswick, for example, and the Miramichi, have joined our campaign to support us. So I think a lot of those votes will scatter across all the different candidates, and some of them will stay home.
1: Uh, You're on record as saying you, you would not contemplate doing something, getting together with other candidates to stop Max Bernier.
2: That's right. I think it's up to party members to decide who the leader will be. I trust their judgment. I also don't think it's productive to try to stop any one candidate. I think we have an election for leader for a reason. It's up to those party members to make that decision. I also don't think coalitions work in this kind of a leadership race. You know, it's not like the old delegated conventions of decades past where you'd have some 3,000 delegates at a national convention, and those 3,000 delegates voted on who the leader would be and where you know, a particular candidate might have the support of, let's say, 300, 400 delegates and could cajole those delegates to go over to a particular other candidate. You know, we're in a leadership race where there are 260,000 party members. They're going to make their own mind up about who they will support in this race, and I think as a leadership candidate, we should respect that.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think that uh, he's the front runner? Should he win? Do you think his uh, libertarian ideas are too radical for Canada?
2: Well, I think I've said to people in this race that if you don't like some of the extreme policies that Maxime Bernier has proposed, just take a look at Michael Chong's policies. Uh-huh. You know, some of the policies he's proposed, I think, are are will not win us the next election. For example, he's proposed to eliminate federal funding for public health care. Uh, this is public health care is Canadians' most cherished social program. It consistently is the most important thing, political issue for Canadians. And I think proposing to eliminate federal funding for public health care is a non-starter. Uh, you know, he's proposed to, you know, reopen the equalization formula, he's proposed to, you know, do a number of other things that I think would uh, lose us votes in the next election.
1: Okay. Uh, in 20 seconds, what would you like to leave us with?
2: Well, I'd like to leave you with the, the pitch that I think I've got the experience and the program to take the Conservative Party forward. I'm a, I'm a kid of immigrant parents from a Chinese immigrant father from Hong Kong and a Dutch immigrant mother from the Netherlands. I'm married, my wife and I have three young boys, and we live on a farm in southern Ontario. So I represent, you know, the best of what this country is all about. And if people support me for leadership, my commitment is to build a much bigger, inclusive Conservative Party that can take on the Liberals and win in 2019.
1: Okay, Michael Chong, good luck to you, and thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having
2: me, Libby.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.